the Protectors of the Wood Adventure Series, episode number 151, Tension at the Church. Abby and her father had spent the last couple of hours in the Cave of Vines in the wild area of the churchyard, discussing the meaning of the images carved on the staff known as the mapstick. Dad, I really didn't know you were so involved in these mysteries. Ah, uh, I should have prepared you. But there were reasons why we tried to get away from all the fear and responsibility— we wanted to give you a life without these storm clouds always over your head. I know it didn't work. None of us could really begin anew. And now I'm glad we couldn't. I did encourage you to learn from Wendy. What? You and Mom had rules. I wasn't supposed to visit. Shh, keep your voice down. That's true. Though I only said you had to stay in school, make some friends, find a job. I never tried to push Wendy out of the picture. I'm aware, probably more than you, how special she is. I knew she would guide you. She told me she would. But I didn't want that to become your whole life. You had to be a part of the world outside. Yes, yes. Wendy tells me the same thing all the time. But Dad, this is a map of the location of Dreamstone. It's too hot a rock for me to touch. Keep this briefcase. Get it out of here. You don't know the danger we're in. I'll be afraid anywhere I put it. It's eating up my mind. I know in my heart I'm not supposed to have it anymore. You're supposed to have it. Just ask Tuck to put it in his safe place. I'm even worried about that. Tuck might get fired if the wrong trustee is elected this Sunday. Hmm. Well, then bring it to Wendy. Or burn these papers after reading them and make another map of your own. That's the best way to learn about the map stick. Let me give you a few more hints now. Here, look at this. Dennis put the papers back in their folder and spread out another group. Four sheets wide instead of two. You will probably have noticed the major flaw in picturing the map stick as a real map. It's too long and thin to be real. It makes no sense that sometimes the lines circle around the map stick. In reality, they have to be spreading out into a much wider space. Now, notice this faint straight line running the length of the staff? You see it runs through the central cavern? I believe this line represents the center of the map. And look here, there's a second line exactly on the opposite side. On the map stick itself, they are so fine it takes a magnifying glass to see them. And they are the only absolute straight lines that I've found. I've spent years wondering what they mean. Abby stared, unable to speak, and hardly able to concentrate. Ah, uh, I know how you feel. This is too much to understand all at once. But you must remember this one thing. I tested a wild guess. What if 
When a tunnel passes the second line and still goes on, it means it's actually going wider, not back around again. And if it passes that point again, could it be going out wider still? That's certainly possible. But how could you keep track of that in this maze of lines? You're asking me? How would I know? I've been wondering about that very problem. I'm trying to get you in the right frame of mind. You're going to have to study this your own way. But Dad, we're running out of time. I'm watched 24-7. One of these stalkers knows we're back here. These papers need to be in Tuck's safety deposit room now. Oh, yes, yes. And your mother is looking for us, I'm sure. Look, when a passageway of any kind passes the second line, it acquires one arrowhead. When it passes the first line again, it acquires another. And on like that up to six times. A full circle around the staff gives a passageway two arrowheads. There are tunnels running into ten arrowheads, meaning five times around the staff. And that's what makes this paper map here a wide map, a, a rectangle like a, a road map, rather than the strange, narrow confusion of lines you see on the map stick. Ah, got it. Dad, I'm so nervous I could scream. Let's go. Hey, hey, relax. No one's going to bother you here. But we can't keep your mother wandering around looking. Dennis repacked the briefcase and scrambled out of the cave. Abby followed him up the path. There was no sign of her mother in the yard. They knocked on the side door several times, and finally Tuck answered and brought them up to his office. Abby's mother sat at the long table surrounded by piles of paper. She didn't even raise her head as they walked in, but continued to study a few sheets and ring up numbers on an adding machine. They watched her in silence. Suddenly, Julia spoke up. I know it's time to catch the boat, but Sharon's always late and has to unload at the garden center. Give me one more minute. She went back to work. Tuck and Dennis politely sat in silence. Abby walked to the window and watched two stalkers talking just outside the gate. She returned to Reverend Tuck's side and told him, I need a favor right away. Put this briefcase next to my long staff in your safe room. Now if you can. Tuck looked up wearily. <sighs> I needn't ask if it's important. I can tell by the tone of your voice. Tuck pulled out a book and opened it. A hole had been cut in the pages to conceal a key. He slipped it into his pocket and departed with the precious case. Julia continued to work in silence. Tuck returned and nodded to Abby. Dennis looked nervously at his watch. Ah, uh, Julia. All right, all right. 
But this is so interesting. I'm not sure Sharon will wait any longer. Julia threw a pencil down, stood up, and turned to Reverend Tuck. I'll have to come back for a couple of hours as soon as possible. This is both better and worse than I thought it would be. Please give me at least a hint. Abby stared at Tuck's face. It was white and dripping with sweat. Even though the air conditioner hummed, Abby was thinking, He looks sick. It's better because your numbers add up. And you've saved more bills and receipts than documents than I expected. All income from the weekly offering, Christmas donations, and any outright gifts to the church are accounted for. That's excellent. But where, where is the income from investments? The church endowment? Is it possible for the church of this size, history, and population to have no investments from the past drawing income for building maintenance? Not even a record of investments sold and spent? It appears that your church has had no financial cushion whatsoever from the beginning of your tenure here until now. That doesn't seem possible to me. Something's missing. Dennis began to move toward the door, waving to his wife. I see you. All right. Come on, Mom. And thank you. I'll walk you part of the way. Soon they were out in the street in the blazing sun. Julia and Dennis were both disturbed by a stalker following close behind. Seemingly out of nowhere, Sule and Nico darted into the scene, taking pictures of the stalker. The man was in his early thirties, dressed in slacks and a sport coat. He was tall, angry, and intimidating. Turning to Nico and Sule in fury, he ran at them. I warned you, I warned you! It's time I'm taking the damn thing! Nico scrambled out of the way, and Sule simply turned her back and cradled the camera in her arms. Abby's parents hurried back toward the man, and Abby ran from the gate and pushed her way in front of his face. People across the street turned to look.
Brother, if you just keep me going Give me hope that it matters And I'll follow the way you're showing Reach for me, reach for me Cause I'm all out of strength Yeah. 